My guest on the show this week is John Pittam, a former financial advisor now running a marketing agency. We talk about how to build more personality into business and financial planning brands. Welcome to episode 106 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business, and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now, here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I really appreciate you downloading or streaming the episode. And thank you for your feedback on Richard Tubbs interview in episode 104. Productivity is obviously a popular topic. So if you haven't checked out Richard's episode, go and have a look at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF and look for episode 104. If you're looking for help with your marketing, content or social media, let's have a chat. We can have a 30-minute free Skype call to discuss your growth ambitions and your goals, what your biggest challenges are and what I could do to help you. If that sounds like something you want to do, please visit rogeredwards.co.uk and get in touch. So, let's get into this week's chat with John Pittam. We're going to talk about how digital has blurred the boundaries between creative, marketing and PR agencies. A new breed of financial planners who are looking to use digital as a catalyst for growth. How Google is replacing the referral as a source of clients. And building more personality into your business brand using the human touch. John is owner and MD of Clients First, an integrated marketing agency specialising in B2B and professional services sectors. He's all about helping businesses reach their audience with the right message at the right time, building their brand and proposition, expanding digital reach, creating opportunity, engaging and connecting with their audience. John first worked for Friends Provident, did a stint as a financial advisor before launching his current venture. So let's get right into that interview with John here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. John, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks for having me, Roger. And of course, I'm in Edinburgh. Where am I Skyping you from? Uh, We're Macclesfield, so south of Manchester uh, in Cheshire. In Cheshire, excellent. John, you're a marketing guy, you've set up a marketing business, you've been doing marketing marketing for many years, and you're helping all sorts of businesses create brands, create experiences, and and to effectively grow their business. So I really want to have a a, a good deep dive into that with you today and, and talk about what you've been up to. But before we get to that, maybe give everybody who's listening to the podcast a little bit of background about yourself. So what makes John Pittam tick? My wife, should I say that? No. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we um, we set up six or so years ago. My background is financial services, mm-hmm. so on the provider side and then also on the, the IFA, financial planning side, mm-hmm. um, and um, saw an opportunity, I suppose, to, to, you know, one of these guys that's always wanted his own business um, and saw an opportunity back in 2010 uh, to set up this firm, Clients First, um, obviously on the back of my knowledge of the sector. Um, and that's kind of how it all started, really. Um, and so, you know, what gets me out of bed in the morning? Um, growing the business, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But equally, you know, work-life balance is really important to me. We've got three kids. Um, so it's important that, you know, I'm home at a reasonable hour and, and, you know, not always happens, but but I try my best. So, yeah, 
we've been going six years now and uh, we're building a nice business. And it's quite interesting because if you said you, your background is financial services, you worked for um, Friends Provident, one of the big financial services providers. You then uh, left Friends Provident and were working for a company called Cullen Financial Planning. What Indeed. made you decide? I mean, most people that work in big financial companies come out and, and do what you did and start financial advisor practices. What was the moment that you decided, I don't actually want to be a financial advisor. I actually want to help people like financial advisors market and grow their own businesses. I think that the driver for me was that, you know, I always enjoyed um, sort of when I was out in Friends Prov, you know, on the business development side mm -hmm. and, and sort of ran a branch, et cetera, mm -hmm. going out and seeing firms and, and, and talking at board level about growth and and um, how firms can succeed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it probably stems from that. So when the opportunity arose um, coming out of Cullen to, to do something different. Yes, it, it was that and I thought actually come on what, what can we what can we do and it didn't necessarily need to be marketing fully enough We, we started around client communication, which is obviously a big part of marketing yeah. for, for planning firms uh, And it started from that and that's where the driver came to think actually. Yeah, let, let's do something that helps be, build these practices and actually we wanted to be quite innovative in the market we didn't want to be a traditional marketing or, or communication supply to the financial planning profession mm -hmm. you know digital was taking off um, um, or actually had taken off by far by then um, and we just want to do things a bit differently a bit more innovative um, you know recognizing the need and, and that's where it that's where we've got to really what would you define as a traditional agency in that in those terms then uh, traditional agencies in the marketing space tended to be either creative mm -hmm. uh, or they would arguably coming from the digital side they'd be web developers yes uh, so actually, you know, you used to go and engage a firm purely for the creative piece or you used to engage a web developer to build a website. You know, for us, the new world of digital has almost um, blurred the lines between, between um, you know, creative and development mm -hmm. and digital and PR and, and all the rest of it now. And for us, you know, being an integrated agency, you know, we're 19 people now and we've got various disciplines in the business. We almost feel, you know, you need that to be, uh, an agency that that someone can come to and, and work with um, but there's still you, you know equally there's still creative agencies out there who do great work um, and web developers out there that do great work we, we've just pulled all the all the lot together really um, so that it's, a, it's almost like a one-stop shop so somebody could come to you and just say I need help with with copy or communications or they could come to you and effectively have a whole brand built for them and a whole website is that the way it works yeah, absolutely. So we, we've got two models, really. We, we, we apply a model where we work on a project basis. Mm -hmm. So that might be someone who wants a rebrand or uh, a new website building and equally work on a retained basis so that the client pays us a monthly fee. Um, and we have account managers here. And our task is to deliver in their marketing against their set objectives. Right. And, and it could be anything from, um, you know, SEO to, to client communications to um, PR, etc. And we just deliver against the plan. So thinking back to when you were working at, um, at Cullen Financial Planning as a financial advisor, obviously these thoughts of, of uh, eventually moving into, into the line of work you're in now must have been brewing in the background. Do you think there's a general feeling amongst financial services professionals that they're needing to do more to promote themselves either, either as personal brands or as business brands? Or is the penny still not dropped yet with a lot of people? Um, I, I think it's interesting, in particularly in the IFA sector. I, I think there are 
Uh, I think the penny has dropped for most. Mm. Uh, I think that would be, be clear to say. Um, but I do think there are firms that have been long established and have a very strong and loyal client base. Mm. Whereby they are delivering you know, great advice, great financial planning to that client base, um, developing their proposition. And therefore, arguably in their mind, the, the need to develop their marketing maybe isn't as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, I think there's a new breed of financial planner and, um, and firm that's that's coming through that's trying to do things a little bit differently you mm-hmm. know add more value to the client have a more rounded approach you know understanding that in this this transparent fee-based world that you know where does the value equation lie and, and are they doing enough to deliver value mm-hmm. uh, so I think that that and, and particularly for, for the younger people coming into the profession particularly the financial planners um, you know they absolutely see digital as as a catalyst to growth and, and I think rightly so um, I think one thing was really interesting for me, and it was kind of a watershed moment about two or three years ago, whereby as part of brand development for, for advisory firms, we will often undertake um, sort of um, uh, questioning with clients. So we'll phone them up and, and talk to them about the firm and understand the brand. And one of the questions I always ask was, um, you know, how did you find XYZ firm? Right. How did you come across them? And of course, most often it's a referral or an introduction from the accountant or whatever it might be. Um, but there was one um one couple, um, successful couple, the kind of clients that most financial planning firms would would want, um, you, you know, in their 50s um, and, and certainly a high value client. And they said to me, um, we Googled, um, you know, we Googled financial advisors in the local area. Interesting, they Googled financial advisor, not financial planner. Mm. Uh, and they basically um, looked to the, cli- you know, the websites and had uh, meetings with two firms. But but that to me was the moment when I thought, actually, you know, because we always thought that it's always referrals and, and people aren't, you know, high net worth clients aren't Googling and searching online to find a financial advisor. Mm. And the reality is they are. And, and the world has changed. I think we, you know, we all Google everything now um, and, and it's uh, and it includes high net worth clients. And I think that's absolutely key, isn't it, that people are searching Google for financial advisors and therefore the key thing for financial advisors to make sure is that they show up in search. And, and okay, you don't need to, if somebody just types in financial advisor, then Google's going to return them about 50 million responses across the entire world, probably, assuming they spell advise with an E instead of an O, in which case it'll determine which country they get. But if somebody was to type in financial advisor in Blackpool or financial advisor in Manchester, then you've got a much better chance of showing up if you've got a website which has got really good content on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, there's a whole load of things. I mean, SEO is such a vast mm. subject. Um, and one of the things that we talk to firms about is that local search is really important. Mm. And, and actually, most firms, you know, are regional practices that want to be found for the key search terms in their area. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you know, having good content is really important. But equally, things like having a, a good um, Google My Business page. So mm. ensuring you're on Google My Business is really important. Mm-hmm. What's interesting for local search now is that Google, I don't know if you're aware, has introduced um, a sort of local search algorithm. So if you're on a mobile device mm-hmm. or a tablet that's um, that's got GPS um, switched on, um, then um, if you search financial advisor and you were in Manchester at the time on yeah. your mobile phone, it would throw up search results in and around Manchester. Mm. It wouldn't by default do a global search. Mm. Um, so, you know, things like local search bec- are becoming more and more important. And, and there's lots of things to be done. Content, you know, is key because it allows you to build reach. 
And what sort of content? It sounds like a bit of a daft laddie question, actually, and it is a question that we've asked on the on the podcast before. Just give me a, a feel for the sort of content that a financial services professional should be putting up on their website in order to get found in search. Well, I, I mean, in terms of it's, if it's directly related to being found in search, and, and let's take that as a as a an isolated reason for mm. putting content up, then then of course you've got to be thinking about your keywords, heading yeah. tags, etc. So you know, if you are specialist in the retirement market, then you know you need to be thinking about writing articles about retirement about annuities about drawdown about flexibility at retirement the type of words that will come up and google will pick up on a search Mm. um so that's really important um so keyword um and thinking through keywords is 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 good we do for clients we do something called a pro forma when people when our clients want to create content and part of that pro forma has in it the the seo um objectives so that we can ensure that any content that we're putting together is aligned to the search strategy of the firm Mm -hmm. because it's no good just putting content up for content's sake you know there needs to be a plan around that and and it's you know equally i'll also say that it's not always about search you know that it might actually about uh, be about um, pushing that content through social channels yes. um, or informing existing clients, in, in which case there's a different set of objectives there. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people are now starting to realise that content is absolutely key as you've said and these days it's no longer good enough just to have a website that effectively is just a, a shop window it needs to it needs to give a snapshot of what you bu- your business is about it needs to it needs to be it needs to be human doesn't it? it needs to show that there's a face behind the name of the company and that you're there are people in there who who you want to do business with you want to engage with and you want to create a relationship with and i think that's the opportunity that digital marketing and social media gives financial services professionals more than ever before absolutely and and and, you know what social media does is allow the brand to build a personality uh, Mm. like never before you know i'm not one for um the business having a a twitter account that that doesn't have a name attached to it you know for example clients first if you look at clients first it says tweets by sam j turner who's Mm. our head of digital so it's important that you, you know we are giving a putting a person behind the brand but equally the tone of voice the things you talk about as a business will engage your audience and, yes. and for us it doesn't need always to be about marketing no it could equally about the the team night out and, and people get a feel for our business based on what we communicate and it's the same for financial advisory or any professional services firm you, you know people get a sense it doesn't need to be technical all the time it doesn't need to be about you know their product or service actually people buy personalities and you can start to build this feel and this personality through tone and voice a- across social channels i do agree with that and i think people love to see behind the scenes don't they whether it's the aforementioned staff day out like you've said there or it could just be you know if you're using instagram or something like that you might show some shots of your designers at work or preparing a pitch or something like that and and people really like this sort of thing because it gives them an insight into what you're doing as a business but also that it's real people doing real work and it makes a connection and when it's just a nameless faceless brand with no personalities involved there can be a barrier sometimes it unintentionally put up between you and the customer yeah definitely Definitely. And, so, and I mean, coming back to, sorry, we're talking about content there. Yeah. Just, well, I remember one of, we, we recently ran a, uh, a little exercise here um, where we ran Facebook ad campaigns mm. for our business. Uh, and uh, since then, one of our, my colleagues has written a blog around helpful versus informative content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically the outcome on these Facebook ad 
campaigns we did a b testing on on um adverts was that actually the audience your audience is really after helpful content yes. so if it's someone looking to retire you know what content can you create and we, we talk about primary and secondary content so if it's primary it might be a the complete guide to retiring on your terms and it's you know five or six pages of, of a4 it's a pdf that they can download in exchange for an email address you know that's helpful content it's helping people you know understand how they could retire yeah. as opposed to informative content which might be a market commentary or um you know the current annuity rates or things to consider you know equally to some degree helpful but but the core to to good content particularly in primary content whether it be white papers or guides is to, is to try and make it helpful and quite a lot of people don't do that do they they don't offer something like you've described there a guide to retirement or a guide to mortgages in order to get people to subscribe to their email list but it's a great way of building a set of contacts and a set of relationships yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, for us, we, we go back to some basics in in uh, digital marketing in that, you know, email still remains key. Mm. You know, the email is great because you've got someone's email address, you know who they are, you can target them and you know when they open eShot. So building an, an organic, organically building an email ad- address book is, is really important of prospects. And, and having some content that, that is primary content, a white paper guide that you can give away for free in exchange for an email address to add to your list is, is a really important point. And, and one that we would encourage all firms to, to, to you know, have. We've, we've been building our email list now for about three or four years organically. And, you know, it, it grows by about, I don't know, on average, about 20, 30 new um, subscribers a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we push out free content like, you know, a guide to SEO or 47, I think was our last one was 47 tips to help your SEO. Um, <laughs> but it's important because at some point, these people, maybe two years down the line, have an SEO need and, and hopefully will be the people they'll talk to. There's something psychological about the number seven, isn't it? Oh, is that, uh, I don't a, know. A lot, of, a lot of online marketers, it's always £97 or £47 or 47 tips right. or 57 tips. I'm going to probably have to research that and do another podcast about it later on. So, John, obviously things are going really well and, you, and, you've, and you've, you've built an exciting business and you're, you've got some clients and you're helping them build their own businesses. Maybe just give me a bit of a feel for the process you went through building your company. Obviously, you said you've got 19 people working for you now. That wasn't the case at the start. What was, <laughs> no. what was the journey you went on and what were the challenges you faced getting your initiative okay. off the ground? Okay. It, it was a lonely first few months yes. of me sitting in an office six years ago on my own, oh, actually for about two months before I was joined by um, Gemma Hayes, who was a co-director here. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so it was a lonely few months of, of calling people. I knew we had, having done some sort of market testing for our, our core product, which which we, we launched initially was client communications for advisory firms, mm. trying to be a bit softer, all about the human relationship and the fact that, you know, that the, the clients um, are buying trust and, and therefore anything we can do to uh, increase that level of trust is good. Um, we, we use the, the phrase topical, not technical in terms mm. of the content that we would put out through these newsletters that would be white labeled for, for advisory firms, et cetera. So we were, we were pushing that out. And I, and I think in our first year, you know, we probably got on board a dozen clients and, and, you know, we built some good relationships with these clients and we continued to sell mail first, which is now our, um, our sort of e-coms for, um, for professional services firms. Um, and then the clients would come to us and say, actually, you know, really like this. Yes. And we're looking for a new website. Do you do websites? And and 
you know, we didn't. Um, but I thought, actually, we could, we could project manage the website. So actually what happened is we started to outsource. So we outsourced to um, uh, UK-based, actually, web developers, um, and we would project manage it. It got to the point that we were being asked to build so many websites that we needed to bring the resource in-house, so we mm -hmm. did that. Um, at the same point, I suppose, at the same time, we were being asked to s whether we could design brochures and, and flyers and, and, and branding and things like that. So again, we were outsourcing for a short period before we thought, right, okay, let's let's invest and bring designers in-house. So almost that's that's actually how the business has grown. Fully enough, this month, um, six years on, I've recruited our first salesperson. So um, ev everything to date has been pretty much referral, um, you know, a bit of business development on my part and my colleague's part, but we've had no real sales resource and that's happened this month. But you know what? What's pleasing, I think, for us as a business, and I and, and I think advisors would say the same. Professional services would say the same. If you deliver an excellent proposition to your existing clients, you know your business will a do well, but equally it will grow through referrals, and and that is what we've done. And so it's very important for us as a business, under un, underpinning everything we do, is that we deliver value for our clients. You know, knowing that if we do that, then we will we will have a sustainable business. Um, so, so you know, we, we've grown nicely and, and we can push on from here now. Can you give me an example of something that's worked really well and maybe something that hasn't worked so well and how you've modified your approach as your business has changed? Um, we have a we have three developers in-house mm -hmm. and we also have two developers that we work with on a freelance basis overseas. Right. Okay? Um, and they're really good, really good, um, you know, quality in terms of coding and we'll project manage in the UK. And, and obviously they'll work in tandem with our developers. Um, but actually on the first few websites that, that we we built, we were looking at overseas developers um, right. and UK based. And actually we kissed a few frogs um, <laughs> before before we got found our princes. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, and, and those are pretty challenging times where, you, you know, you've got a deadline to meet and, and the client has an expectation and you have an expectation and you're working with with third parties that then you you know make that job of delivering really difficult and, and I think that you know one or two projects that I look back on and and you know we delivered for the client of course we did but there was a lot of um, paddling under the water at our end to yes. make that happen so I think big lesson there in terms of um, you know ensuring that suppliers that that you work with are um, of the right caliber and, and, and quality um, Equally, I suppose I'll flip that round is that, you, you know, we use, um, although we've got um, designers and developers and account managers and PR people, et cetera, and SEO digital specialists here, um, we also outsource. I'm not afraid to outsource as a business. You mm. know, globalization is such that, you know, we can work with people in, in North America um, to suppliers um, as we can in Southeast Asia. And therefore, you know, for us, if there's a model to apply, we don't have the skills in-house, um, we will quite happily look. Um, not just in the UK, but overseas to find that resource. There's a, there's a, funnily enough, there's a lady in Canada um, that does a lot of word templates for us. You know, we create, we do a lot of documentation for advisory firms, making them look good, their client reports, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And we will do all the design work here, but then outsource that over to Canada for someone who's going, going to um, put that into to word template because they're, they're a word whiz, but we don't have enough work to bring that in-house. Mm. So it works really well for us. So outsourcing for us, um, has certainly helped us build the business. I, I was just going to say, I suppose the other success story for us um, at the moment is, is last year we launched um, a site called Advisor Store. Okay. Um, so what we were finding is that as we grow as an agency, we have certain costs in the business and, and you know, developers, good developers aren't cheap and good designers aren't cheap and that sort of thing. So yeah. um, we we have 
uh, we had clients come to us, financial planning firms, advisory firms, who, you know, they kind of need stuff to help their business, um, but equally really didn't arguably weren't at the stage of their business to invest heavily into a new website or whatever it might be. Right. And we recognize that people want off the shelf stuff to help their business. So we've created the advisor store, which basically sells products and services off the shelf to the advisory community. Um, what we're also doing there is we're also including um, third parties. So, you know, firms like Parasols, which people in the sector might be familiar with, and 360 yes. are now selling some of their um, products and services through the advisor store um, website. So mm -hmm. it's almost becoming an online marketplace for anyone that, that wants to, um, um, you know, supply services to advisors mm -hmm. and advisors who want to buy those services at a good price online. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that's been a success story and, and continues to grow. And what would you say was the one big idea that you'd like those people listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast today to take away from all the experiences you've had building your business? Okay. In relation to building a business, I have to say probably um, don't be afraid of outsourcing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, while outsourcing allows a business to stay lean in those early days when, you know, when cash flow is really important. Yeah. Um, so for me in this global market, you, you know, um, uh, outsourcing, I think is really important. And as a marketeer um, and as a person who helps people to build businesses and to create brands, etc., you must be constantly looking around and about, looking at what other companies are doing, companies in the same industries, companies in other industries. Can you tell me about a, a marketing campaign or a product or something that's caught your attention in the last year that's made you sit back and think, wow, that is just so good? Yeah. I, and well, fully enough, we were we were talking about this a few days ago. There, there's a fantastic campaign um, from an agency in London called Latitude. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't mind name dropping. I don't know them at all. Uh, came across it in our sector and they ran a campaign called Game of Loans for a mortgage. I assume they're a mortgage. Uh, I don't know the broker or supplier, but I think they're a broker called London and Country. Yes. Uh, you're probably familiar with them, Roger. Yeah. Um, and they ran a uh, a um, a campaign, digital campaign called Game of Loans, um, and it was all about. And I, now, forgive me, I'm I'm someone who's never seen Game of Thrones. Okay, so I'm probably I'm in the one percent. <laughs> um, and basically, I built this whole campaign around um, the cost of castles. If castles were in the the the, the castles on Game of Thrones were in the UK, how much they would cost. Um, and there was a video associated with it and, um, you know, it, it went viral. It went on Mashable. Um, it went on the Game of Thrones fan sites. Um, and actually, if you Google um, London and Country Game of Loans, um, I think you'll see a lot of the campaign. Um, Latitude have actually got a video on their website about it. And, and to me, that's a it's a really creative and well thought through campaign. And there's a lot more to it than I've just just mentioned there. Um, but it just shows the power of digital now. And if firms can latch on to doing something like that, um, you know, these guys had 170,000 I don't know, hits on their website or social shares or something. But but it was incredible. Um, you, you know, this is where it's all at now. And, and if you can be creative like that, then it becomes very powerful. Equally, you know, you don't have to sell your product. You, mm. you know, Game of Loans is not related to obviously the, the connection is the loans. But but bar that there is no selling of the product at all. Um, but it builds a fantastic brand awareness and digital reach. Great example of content marketing. And as a massive Game of Thrones fan myself, <laughs> I, I, I've seen that Game of Loans. When I originally saw that, I just thought, oh, that is just genius. I just wish I'd thought of that myself. And I'm always a massive fan of anything that you can relate to pop culture. Because let's face it, 
millions of people are watching programs like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and Coronation Street and whatever it might be. And if you can find a way of tying what you do to something in popular culture like that, then it's a great way of connecting with customers and making them realise that actually you're not constantly trying to sell something, you're actually just using that connection to educate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you got a business book that you've read recently that you'd like to recommend to the listeners? I don't think I've read a specific uh, business book recently. The, the one I, 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 that goes back for me um, is uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Yeah. You, you know, that to me I read probably, I don't know, 15 years ago plus. Um, and to me that's the one that stands the test of time um, that, I, you know, I'll always refer back to, you know, begin with the end in mind and all the, uh, you know, the habits that, that, you know, you can bring into life, I think was um, was probably the one that, that set me on my route, if you like. And John, I'm hoping that a lot of people listening to the podcast today are going to want to get in touch with you to find out how you might be able to help them. So how should they contact you? I suppose the easiest way we're talking about digital is uh, is to go to our website, clients-first, F-I-R-S-T dot co dot UK. Uh, go to contact and all our details are there. Drop us a, an online form and uh, yeah, we'll gladly have a chat. Fantastic. John, it's been great to talk to you today about marketing, about content marketing, about social media and about how you're helping financial professionals to grow their own businesses and grow their own brands. Let me wish you every success for the future. Thanks for coming on the podcast and hopefully we'll meet in person someday. I'd love to do that. Thanks a lot, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.